Welcome to The Daily Cut. I'm Lisa Bishop, and I oversee our women's ministry and small groups at our Near North location. Throughout this season, we wanted to create something consistent for you that would help add a little sense of rhythm to life. And so to do that, we've altered the use of this podcast. We'll be teaching a short devotional every day, and we hope that you will use this time to meditate on and be nourished in God's Word. This is The Daily Cut, and I'm Lisa Bishop. Well, it's good to be with you all. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. It's so important to create consistency in our lives and rhythms, and I really want to encourage you to be intentional and purposeful about spending time daily and creating daily rhythms to be with God and His Word. I also want to invite you right now to grab your Bible and open it to Philippians chapter 1. And after you're done listening to this podcast, consider reading through the entire book of Philippians in one sitting. It's only four chapters. It will take about mm, 15 minutes. It's important that we read verses in context so that we get the whole picture of this letter that Paul is writing as we narrow in on these specific verses. And today, we're going to continue in the book of Philippians with chapter 1, verse 27. This is one verse with a lot packed in as it relates to how we're called to live daily as followers of Jesus. And in the preceding verses, we see that the Apostle Paul, who has been imprisoned for his faith in Jesus, declares that his sole aim in life is that Christ would be honored in his body, and that while on this earth, he lived and joyfully suffered hardship and persecution for the progress and joy in the faith of believers as well is the example of his life that he set for those who did not yet believe in Jesus. So Paul lived his life in a manner that led to others coming to faith because of the way he honored Christ in every way, bringing him glory. And now Paul exhorts us to do the same. So Philippians 1, 27, you can read along with me. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, leading up to verse 27, we see that Paul has built up this call for the Philippian believers, really for us, to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. He reminds us of the fine reputation in Christ we're to live up to. In Philippians 1 verse 5, Paul references believers' partnership or our unity in the gospel. And in verse 6, he says with confidence that God will complete the good work he is doing in us, reminding us that the Christian life is a daily pursuit of sanctification and becoming more and more like Christ. Then we see in verse 7, Paul reminds believers that they are all partakers of grace and of the call to live their lives in a way that conforms to the gospel. And in verses 9 through 11, we see Paul's well-known prayer that the believers at Philippi, that their love, that our love, may be abounding more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that we may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And he reminds us at the end of verse 11 that this is all to the glory and praise of God. So let's take a few minutes to unpack Paul's commands in our verse for today. First, let's call our attention to Paul's opening word. He uses the word only. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, some versions say whatever happens or above all or just one thing. The point is he's getting our 
attention. He's getting the Philippian believers' attention, and he's saying, whatever you do, at all costs, and remembering that Paul's standing firm in the faith costs of imprisonment, whatever you do at all costs, the only thing Paul wants to be absolutely certain of, whether he is with the Philippian believers or absent, is that they're living in a manner worthy of the gospel, standing firm, striving side by side in the faith. And this should, too, be our primary focus. Then he goes on to say, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Now, in other versions, manner of life is translated or let yourself is translated conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. So this let your or conduct yourself comes from the Greek word polytuami, which means to be a citizen, to behave as a citizen of. In this context of this letter, Paul's saying, let your manner of life, your conduct, reflect that of a citizen of heaven. Now, the Philippians lived in a colony of Rome, and Rome is considered a very prestigious and privileged place to live in, to be a citizen of. And so Paul's play on words here is to get the Philippians' attention and say, hey, for as much as being a Roman citizen has its prestige and privileges, remember that your true citizenship is in heaven. You are not a citizen of the world. You are a citizen of heaven. So live in a way, conduct yourselves in a way that displays your true identity your true loyalty to and the authority of Christ in your life. Don't adapt to the culture around you. Walk in good conscience before God. Live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. And I think it's important to remind ourselves that our purpose on earth is to put God's glory on display, that as followers of Jesus, we're image bearers of Christ. And I think we can often forget this and live in such a way that we think life is all about us, but it's not. And we need to refocus, refix our eyes on Jesus, and remember that our ultimate purpose is being conformed daily into the image of Christ, living in obedience to Him and in such a way that honors Him, living in a way that points to Him so that others come to know Him, and living as ambassadors, as representatives of Christ. That is our highest privilege and calling. So not only are we to believe the gospel, we're to live the gospel. Now, to believe the gospel is only the first step of entering into the kingdom. And the entirety of our Christian experience is living for the gospel and conducting ourselves in this manner worthy of the gospel, which means for you and for me to live in submission to the Lordship of Christ, for us to realize that our lives are not our own, that we've been bought with a price, and that we're called again, to live for the glory of God. Every agenda in our lives is to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this means that we confess and repent as a daily practice in our Christian life, that we're actually grieved and sorrowful for the sin and hurtful ways within us, and that we acknowledge these to the Lord as He convicts us and brings ungodly conduct to our attention. Now, I've used the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24 over the years, and it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the everlasting. Now, this is an earnest invitation for God to examine our lives and help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in a manner worthy. So the question is, Does my conduct put 
God's glory on display. And I just have to confess, often mine does not. I can be quick to speak and quick to anger if things are not going the way I think they should, or people are not doing or acting in a manner that I think is right. And my conduct can sometimes come across judgmental and impatient and self-righteous. I see this pattern in my life, and my response is to enter into times of confession and repentance, asking God to help me to be loving and patient, to see others as God sees them, to not think that my way is the right way, but to be loving and patient and kind. And I just have to say, I am still a work in progress, but my heart's desire is to be conformed to His image in my conduct and to put God's glory on display. So how does God want to be glorified in your life? What conduct is he asking you to confess and be transformed? Maybe it's the way you use your words to gossip or cut others down. Perhaps you're in a sexual sin and you write it off as no big deal because you don't think it's hurting anyone. Maybe you're short or impatient with your spouse or kids, or maybe you do just enough to get by at work and do not do your work with excellence as unto the Lord. Or maybe it's you cut other people down on social media and you don't use discernment and wisdom with your words. Remember, you are a witness. I am a witness to Jesus. How are we a witness to the glory of God and the gospel to others? If you're a follower of Christ, you will desire to do the will of God. You will desire obedience. Will we wrestle with sin? Yes. But the true desire of our heart is for Christ to submit to him, to reflect his glory. And even Paul in his letter to the Romans speaks of his wrestling with sin when he says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Now, this is not a call to throw on the towel, but it is an acknowledgement that our sinful nature is strong. But We have the power of God's word that transforms our hearts and our minds. And we have the grace of God to help us in our time of need and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness when we submit to and align our lives with him. The other thing we need to think about is what we believe informs how we behave. So do we really believe the gospel? And believing the gospel requires living in accordance with the way God's word calls us to live. It's Not just a prayer we prayed years ago, but an allegiance to a lifestyle. It's not out of duty, but a heart desire to walk with the Lord, to walk worthy of our calling in Christ, not just because we're instructed to do so, but out of a deepening love for our Heavenly Father and our glorified Savior. Well, then Paul goes on to say, whether I come see you or am absent. So, Paul is saying, let nothing in your conduct hang on whether I come or not. Your conduct must be the same whether I show up to see things for myself or I hear it from a distance. So the question for us is, who are we when nobody is watching? Are we living our lives with integrity to the gospel, not being divided and putting on a front when people see us, but dishonoring God behind closed doors? As followers of Christ, are we living our lives in allegiance to Christ? As 1 Corinthians 10.31 instructs us, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Who are we when we think nobody is watching? Let us not be lax in our Christian living. Then Paul goes on to say this, 
stand firm in one spirit and in one mind. So to stand firm means to be stationary. It's this idea of being anchored in place and you've taken your stand and you are immovable because of your convictions in the gospel. It's actually a military term and pictures the duty of a soldier in battle to hold his position. And this is a picture of being unified as believers in the Holy Spirit. When we stand in one mind, we stand soul to soul. We stand connected. We stand united, singular in vision, contending for people's trust in the gospel, the good news, the saving grace of God through Jesus Christ, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition. We persevere, we persist, and we keep standing the gospel no matter what circumstance or what temptation comes our way. And then he goes on to say, striving side by side. Now, the idea of striving side by side in the original Greek language was this picture of athletics. So the idea of competing in a contest and specifically the contest of wrestling together in and for the faith. So we're to be contending together, competing together in a sense for the gospel. And it's the idea that as followers of Christ, we are on the same team. We are not wrestling against one another. We are wrestling with one team and trying to advance the gospel. Again, we strive together, and that's why it's so important for us to keep short accounts with one another, to address any conflicts or grievances we have with each other, to ask for forgiveness when we have in some way wronged another person, and to receive forgiveness when we have been the one to cause the hurt. Because, listen, the enemy wants to cause division, and God calls us to unity, to strive side by side for the faith in the gospel. And this is our belief, our trust, our confidence in Jesus and the truth of God's word. It's our fidelity and our faithfulness in action. Well, before we wrap up here, I want to talk a little bit about application for our text this week, being reminded that we're not only to be hearers of God's word, but also doers of God's word. So I invite you to pray the prayer the psalmist prayed in Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24 this week. Actually make it a lifestyle, make it a habit of praying this prayer and ask God to search your heart and thoughts. Ask him to examine and reveal any actions and behaviors that grieve him. Then confess and repent of the things the Holy Spirit reveals and ask God to help you as you turn away from sin and strive to live a life worthy of the gospel. And as it relates to unity in the gospel with fellow believers, ask God to show you anyone you have unforgiveness towards, where there is discord or dissension. Ask God to help you forgive that person. And where applicable, ask for forgiveness from the person for the part you played in the breakdown in your relationship. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We are in this together. Well, that's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Daily Cut. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our time in the book of Philippians. Go in peace. You are deeply loved and highly favored.